Hello, everyone, and welcome to Through the Clouds podcast episode number one. My name is Jared Schiedemeyer. I am a college student at Lewis University majoring in aviation. I aspire to be a professional pilot one day. I am joined alongside my co-host, Ava Albright. Hello, Ava. Were you about to say good morning? I was about to say good morning. Hello. It's not even morning. No, it's not. It's actually, uh, we were recording this at 7.30 p.m. It's late. It is late, but we're doing this for fun and we're going to see where it takes us. Yeah. Anyways, uh, this is episode number one of our podcast. We are both college students uh, majoring in aviation. We both love airplanes. Uh, And we decided that we are going to do a podcast and try to, you know, go through it and see what happens of it. Yeah. So in today's episode, we are going to break it up into five different segments. We're going to start off with some of our own aviation stories from the past week month, etc., what we're looking forward to, and kind of explaining our current journeys right now. And as we continue, we will be going through some aviation news that has been going on. Then we go into some jokes and a featured incident. Every week, we're going to be doing a featured incident, talking about an incident that happened either current or in the past, and kind of do our own air disasters-like podcast episode featurette on it uh and then lastly segment five is going to be a featured plane or airport of the week yeah without further ado let's go into our own aviation stories for the week miss ava i heard that you had quite the exciting uh weekend this last week and why don't you tell uh us what happened yeah so i got to solo for the first time i am what we like to say here in stage one of private pilot So one of the last lessons for that is your first solo. Stayed in the pattern, did the Lewis required three flights, full stop taxi back with the pilot or with the instructor, and then the three um, flights, full stop taxi back without the instructor. Um, It honestly wasn't as nerve wracking as people say. I enjoyed it. I kind of liked the quiet. Not yeah, to be the, rude to my instructor. I mean, it is quite interesting. You're you're kind of flying up there, and it's the first time you don't have somebody constantly telling you something to do. Because even, you know, I don't know if your instructor's this way, but my instructor was always like, I'm going to pretend like I'm not here. And they would start talking about news or shows or yeah. whatever they wanted to talk yeah. about. I did find myself talking to myself a couple times. I, I think but that's a good thing, though. I mean, you It was hear, just talking myself through it. Yeah, I mean, I, feel, I know, like, obviously, aviation YouTubers – their audience that they're talking to is the yeah. camera, obviously. But honestly, even when I fly solo, I think it's very, very good. I'm explaining everything I'm doing because if I say something that doesn't make sense. Yeah, you'll notice it. I'll catch it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So um, that was pretty nice. My instructor was outside on the ramp with a radio, caught him talking to himself and singing. He. That'll happen. He accidentally pressed the button. Well, was there any good like songs that you singing or? I don't know what he was singing. I asked him afterwards. I was like, "What are you singing?" And he was like, "How, how did you know I was singing?" I was like, "Well, you were pressing the button." Silly goose. Yeah, but you know that was at six a.m. Right. That, so that was a bright and early was, one. Yeah, I think he was still half asleep. I mean, I would be too at that time. I honestly was not tired. Wow. I told him that. I was like, I don't know if it's because I'm sometimes a morning person, or if it's because I was just very excited to solo. Why don't, why don't you share with our viewers, what are your top hacks for not being tired while flying early in the morning? Waking up early enough that you have time to like mentally be awake. 
Because um, if it was me, if I had a lesson at, I don't know, 6 o'clock, I'd be up at 5.45. But, I mean, like, sometimes I, I would find myself before school and high school, I would sometimes shower in the morning. Okay. Because, the, like, the cold, I mean, I'd use I mean, cold that water wakes, at that, that point. I mean, that wakes you that up, wake right? Me up. Yeah. Um, I, I have heard that method before. That's pretty effective. I also do find that when I put my contacts in my eyes, that just automatically wakes me up. That makes sense, though, because it's like something like I don't wear contact. I For for the, our viewers, I wear glasses. I don't wear any contacts. Um, so, like, do you, like, feel something on your eye when you I put on the contact? I think it's more or? of just, like, something about a routine. I okay. do it every day no matter what time it is. Sure. So it's just like that kind of gets my brain to think time to time to wake up. I mean, that's the whole thing about routines, right? We like we get settled into these routines as pilots, as people. Um, and I don't know, a routine kind of helps you flow through your day and kind of tricks your body into thinking that it's like a certain time or something. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't know, six o'clock comes around. doesn't matter if I ate an hour ago. I'm hungry because like my body's hungry. It knows it's dinner time, yeah. but I'm also hungry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so that was Ava's news for the, Ava. Yeah. Do you have any other news to share right now? I'm sure you got plenty of sh- stories to share throughout the show today. But do you have anything else? I mean, to add? obviously, after you first solo here, you you know have to start thinking about your oral exam, your flight exam, all that fun stuff. So there's always that to think about. Of course. Uh, speaking of the exams, uh, that was a really good segment, by the way, or segue, I should say, uh, into uh, my own news. Uh, I am nearing the completion of my instrument stage one ground and oral portion so hopefully my stage one oral comes either next week or the week after and even though i did just get my private yeah, recently uh february 13th uh at around 6 30 p.m uh was my time and um i got my private pilot's license and it was immediately on the instrument for me so as well as i just feel like i just hit the book straight yeah. For like, I don't know, three weeks straight as my heads were in the books to study for the for the um the check ride. It's back to the books for me. It's I gotta start learning the instrument stuff. Yeah, but you had a little bit of kinda like a break in between spring break. Helps you kinda flip your mind from It's kind of like a reset button, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because I mean, usually semesters the reset like you like in the normal college world, we have our finals before like the semester break. Yeah. Well, in the aviation world, our check rides are kind of like our big finals. And for me, it was, I took my check ride on a Monday and that same week I started my instrument flying in ground school. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's a lot different than most, um, you know, college opportunities or even other educational opportunities is that we do not follow a semester schedule. We follow a weather schedule, you know, whenever the weather's good, we go out flying, uh, you know, Class gets canceled quite frequently because the weather's not good. Or we'll f- fly extra. I mean, this is the one class I'll totally wake up on a Saturday or Sunday all day, want to fly. I don't mind flying at midnight, 6 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter time of day. I'm and ready to fly. Sometimes a plane's schedule, too. I mean, exactly. you never know. Yeah, you never know when a plane's going to be down for one of its inspections or something like that. Yeah. But I think they're always Or where there's like 15 people who have the same idea as you and they want to get up early. Yeah, exactly. That's another thing that we battle, especially here at Lewis, because we don't own our own planes. We're sharing with the other aviation community that is in the same major program as us. And obviously there are, I don't know, I think the program is at between 150 and 250 students right now. I think the capacity. We've got about 30 planes. So, I mean. Between those, yeah. Between those students to share, so. That's what we got going on. 
Do you have any other news to share? I do not know. Well, I do have some news to share. That being said, it is time to... This is your aviation news starring Jarrett and Ava on the Through the Clouds podcast. We got a couple aviation stories coming for you. This uh, that happened within the last couple weeks or this week or something like that. I'm going to let Ava uh, start with her, her first news story and we'll just have a little bit of a discussion about it. Yeah, so we have a new airline this week. Um, oh. It is a state-owned Saudi Arabian Airlines. I don't exactly know how to properly pronounce it. Riyadh, maybe? I think it is Riyadh, because Riyadh is uh, the capital city of Saudi Arabia. So Riyadh Air, um, they, you know, they're just jump-started right away buying some new 787s. 78, to be exact. Wow, and... Um, it looks like that total cost is going to be around $37 billion. Yes. so I would love $37 billion. Yeah, me too. Um, but I would never turn that down. So um, it looks like that the Saudi Arabian Airlines, which does currently exist, it is, I believe, a Sky Team partner, um, or at least they used to be. I don't know if they still are. Yes. It, that, it looks like that's going to be a state-owned airline, and this new airline is going to be like a partner with it that's going to be – it looks like a national airline, so yep. maybe a flight carrier of the Saudi Arabian. Yep, so it says it will serve about 100 more destinations by 2030. Wow. That's a lot. That I mean, that is, I mean, if you Pretty think about it. for a new airline. For a new airline, because they're also getting new planes. So we, yep. we have to make sure that, you know, Boeing schedules on schedule, because we just uh, found out that they just started resuming their deliveries of the yeah. 787 program after... Uh, finding some challenges mm-hmm. among suppliers. Uh, the whole fuselage program that's built by Spirit Systems and Manufacturing, uh, they had supply chain issues there that supply the fuselage components to Boeing, and they couldn't make the 787 fuselage. Yeah. So that's something new. Um, some locations are basically just all over Asia, Africa, Europe. And it looks like not only is it going to um, bring new air carrier service to Saudi Arabia and possibly boost its own economy, which is expected, by the way, to bring $20 billion to Saudi Arabia's non-oil GDP growth. It's also supposed to create almost 200,000 new jobs, which I I mean, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, with that also comes a lot of training and all that stuff. That all takes time. And money, which, I mean, we already know it's going to cost lots of money to start up an airline. Um, And it's interesting that it's government backed. So that means that, I mean, you're not you don't have private investors here. So hopefully we see this airline actually go through fruitation um, and we don't see like it because, I mean, a lot of times you hear about startup airlines. There was one um, in the U.S. in the last year, AHA Air, Mm -hmm. um, ended up falling apart because all the investors backed out because they thought it just wasn't a good investment anymore because it's government owned. Hey, who knows? Yeah. And the good thing about having a fleet of all the same plane, all 787s, training costs less because you're not having to train on separate planes, which means less simulators to train on. So that'll all be a cheaper price than rather than having a fleet of multiple different types of aircraft. Right. And that's the uh, the same business model we see Spirit, Southwest, yep. um, JetBlue's kind of in that realm. Allegiant. Uh, Allegiant kind of, yeah. Yep. Uh, they all have just that singular. Uh, there was another Air Baltic in Latvia. 
They uh, just finished retiring all their other planes. They only fly A220s because maintenance costs and pilot training costs yep. go way down. Yeah. And hopefully they can pass that savings on to the customer. Yeah, hopefully. Speaking of the new startup airlines causing a wake in the aviation world, um, a carrier, Akasa Air, uh, which is a airline in India, which is one of the most populous countries in the world, has hit a new milestone uh, this last week. They carried over 1 million passengers in their first six months as an airline. That is pretty good, yeah. And that comes with stiff competition in India. There are over, I think, five airlines that operate the same route network that Akasa Air was doing. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we have an oligopoly happening over there. I mean, we have Air India that just bought two of the smaller or are trying to buy two of the smaller airlines in India. That really, I mean, takes up a lot of the competition. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, congratulations to them. They fly Boeing 737 Maxes. Uh, the next target is to hit the international market because they are currently only a domestic airline, but congratulations to them. Yeah. And on the note of, I mean, we just talked about airlines in India kind of merging and all that stuff. What do you think about this JetBlue Spirit merger that's going on? I mean. Will it happen? They're two pretty decent off airlines. I think it'll definitely bring the price up for customers a little bit. A hundred percent, yeah. Because, I mean, there's less planes operating and, you know, that whole situation. But, I mean, it could be good. So, I mean, we saw when originally it was the original deal that JetBlue kind of just jumped in and ate like a giant shark was that we saw Frontier and Spirit trying to merge, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that would have been great because they're two low cost airlines. They fly the same A three twenties. Yep. And I think it would be great because then cities that Frontier does not fly a lot to, Atlanta, Detroit, Chicago, Frontier doesn't have a big basin. Boom. That's an expanded route network, offers pretty much the same product. They would just have to repaint the planes basically and maybe retrofit some of the seats. Yes, yeah, so um I saw this somewhere, so I think Spirit kind of has a way of also getting rid of some of their planes. Some of their planes are actually repainted and retrofitted for Allegiant. Really? Yep. I did not know about this. So they repaint some of Spirit's planes, and then they sell them to Allegiant for Allegiant to fly. Oh, wow. So some of their older ones that they're going on? Yeah, which, I mean, I guess saves Allegiant money, but with older planes you have similar problems sometimes so i mean there's a reason that spirit was trying to get rid of them right yeah because it's not like they're trying to downsize their fleet because they're they have multiple a through 20s on order yeah so yeah that's what we got going on for the JetBlue spirit merger i mean we know that the department of justice sued to block the merger and they are trying actively to stop the merger between JetBlue and spirit um, I guess we'll follow this up in our next podcast episode and yeah, kind of yeah. keep you updated about what's going on um, with the merger, but we'll see what's going on. I mean, this is not uncommon that airlines in the U.S. merged to make bigger airlines. We saw this with United and Continental, Delta and Northwest, American and U.S. Airways. Uh, so we'll just have to see where it goes from there. Yeah. Okay, Ava, what else do you got for us in the news this week? Um. So, 
We have a Boeing 737-500 operated by Trigana Air. It was carrying 66 passengers. Um, it was on its way to Dakai Airport in Papua. A rebel gunfire shot at it as it was in the air. So, I mean, you don't see that happening very often. I mean, we've heard of it a couple times. We've heard of similar situations. But, I mean, I mean that's just insane. This is actually, I mean, we everyone's talking about the runway incidents. You know, that's yes. been a huge problem lately. Yep. But I've actually heard quite a few of these incidents um, also lately. Also, I had no idea where Papua was when Ava brought this um, this news story to me. Apparently, it is like a state in Indonesia. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, but anyways, um, w- there was recently um, in a South American airport a armed robbery. Did you know about this one? I do not think I heard of this one, no. Okay, let me tell the story here. So okay. there was a, um, I believe it was a LATAM flight or some flight that was, I can't remember the exact airline, was coming in and they had uh, many millions of dollars on the flight that were being transported by the government. And there was an armed transport truck waiting at the airport mm-hmm. for the plane and they're yep. going to unload the cash, put the cash in the armored transport truck is going to go into where it's going. There's an armed robbery that took place at the airport. The robbers breached the airport fence, got in, and then started opening gunfire on the ramp at the airport. I believe one airport employee is in critical condition and or has passed um, and a Delta A350 that was sitting at the gate next door had bullet holes in the tail uh, and it was subsequently uh, delayed. I mean, that's almost something you'd see from a movie. And no, I, that's what I would thought yeah. too, yeah. Speaking of gunshots in the planes, though, um, I read that one of the bullets struck the lower fuselage and hit a passenger in seat 7C of the plane. And this was your Trigana This was crash. the Trigana and it hit gunfire, yes. What, what's going on with the passenger then? Um, I have honestly no idea so far. I haven't seen anything that gives the condition of the passenger. Okay. Um, but so uh, imagine... Ho- hoping they're okay. Imagine purchasing a flight. Yeah. You're coming in to land or I don't Everything know if it was... Normal. Was it landing or taking it off? It was on approach, yeah. It was on approach. Okay, so you're, you're coming in to land. Yep. You're sitting there watching your Netflix. You got Outer Banks on your Netflix. It's sitting in the seat packet in front of you. You're looking out the window. You're taking pictures for your Instagram. Boom. All of a sudden, the guy next to you is shot because a bullet went through the bottom of the... Like, that's not something you expect to happen. To think, though, I mean, like a 737 has a pretty good lower sized cargo area that, that, that's actually that a great point all the way through yeah it had a, it breached the skin of the aircraft yeah went through the cargo hold any cargo that might have been inside the hold then the top vent door of the cargo hold went through whatever systems is in between the cargo hold and the bottom floor of the fuselage and then penetrated yeah. the floor of the cabin that's crazy all the way up to the seat and through the seat too you yep. said yep wow wow I, I pray that this never happens to me when I'm in an airplane. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. It says it was only four gunshots. Wow, really? Yeah. That's great. Did they catch the culprit? Um, I do not know. Okay, well, maybe we'll have to play investigator, yeah. or our viewers will uh will link 
um, the story that we're taking this from in the show notes of the podcast. And if you want to be an investigator and find out for yourself, it'll, the link to the story will be in the show notes. Uh, and let us know if you ever find out yeah. uh, about what's going on. I'm sure and there are multiple articles and multiple things cir- circling around about this. So Yeah, so this yep. is... This is going to be interesting. Any other news from you? Um, that's all I got news for me. Um, I don't know, Eva. What, what's going on next? I mean, I think we have some jokes to do next. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. All right. So my first joke, it kind of starts a little crazy, but I hope you get it. I hope you laugh. hope it makes somebody out there laugh. We'll, we'll see. Anyways, we'll start. All right. A plane lands shortly after the flight attendant comes over the speaker. Hi, folks. Sorry about that rough landing. It wasn't the captain's fault. It wasn't my fault. It was the asphalt. That was a pretty good one. That, that, that was definitely a quality joke. That was that was actually a pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good quality joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hope it landed well with you. I think it did. Yeah. It did land well. Did you get my joke? That was, that was another one. Yeah. For ya. Yeah. Um, so, I'm sorry. I know I said I was done with the news stories, okay? But oh we're going to jump back. Okay. Um, Boeing announced that they are going to start creating the first ever invisible airplane. I just, I just can't see it happening. Me either. That, that was I'd give that like an eight out of ten. Eight, it was come on, come on, really? Yes, but but I I did such a good job of looping it back to our last segment. Like I forgot something. But that's the kind of joke where like someone's wearing camo and you're like, "Are you wearing clothes? I can't see them." Like kind of that's the kind of joke, you know? <laughs> yeah. I sp- okay, fine. I'll do another one. Okay. Okay. So a businessman was having a tough time lugging his lumpy oversized travel bag onto the plane. Also known as a suitcase. I don't know why it's explained so well. Helped by a flight attendant, he finally managed to stuff it inside the overhead bin. Do you carry, always carry such heavy luggage? The guy said. No more. The man said. Next time I'm riding in the bag and the guy in there is going to be carrying it. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. Thank you. Our our live studio audience agrees with us by the uh, laughter you hear yeah. there. All right. I have one more for you. Okay. I'm ready. Can I help you? Asked the agent. I want a round trip ticket, says the man. Where to? Asked the agent. Right back to here, he replies. Um, okay. That was a joke. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's somebody at home that laughed at that one, but yeah, I hope so. That was like a three out of ten. Might just be me later listening to this podcast, <laughs> laughed at it, laughing my own joke. I mean, some all you need is one laugh, right? Yeah. Okay, well, that concluded our very awesome joke segment. That was our first ever joke segment. If you've got a joke that you would like to share with us. Uh, we will credit you. Uh, please feel free to email us at tcloudspodcast at gmail.com. Our email is also in the show notes for wherever you're listening to it. You can find it in there. Email us your joke and your name and where you're from, and we will definitely give you a shout out here on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's your way that you can be part of us. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that should be fine. Also, I should add, these are aviation-themed jokes. As much as we love other jokes, yes. for now, we're just going to keep it in the aviation spectrum. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, that would be a whole other can of worms. That was not a good joke. 
Oh, okay. Sorry, but... <laughs> no worries. Okay, next up, we have our weekly incident that we will be reporting on this week. Let me set the scene for you. On August 12th, 1985, a Boeing 747 operated by Japan Airlines flight 123 was a scheduled domestic passenger flight from Tokyo to Osaka, Japan. The Boeing 747 operating the service suffered a severe structural failure and decompression 12 minutes into the flight. After flying under minimal control for a further 32 minutes, the 747 crashed in Mount Takumagara, 100 kilometers from Tokyo. The aircraft, featuring high-density seating, of course, carried 524 people, all 15 crew members, and 505 out of the 509 passengers died in the accident. This remains the largest number of fatalities from any aviation incident in aviation history let's discuss so we got this incident um, that happened like i said back in 1985 the heyday of the boeing 747 good old queen of the skies um i i think this was a 747-200 judging by the uh the date that was going on um Looks like out of the top nine nationalities, most of them came from um, Japan. All four survivors on board were from Japan. But we also saw China, West Germany, British Hong Kong, India, Italy, South Korea, United Kingdom, and United States. Remember, this was back in 1985. That's why some of the country names are going to be a little bit different than today. Um, So, yeah, that's what we saw for these survivors and fatality rates. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what happened. Okay. Well, before we talk about that, actually, I okay. do want to give a little history of the specific plane. Okay. So this plane has had a couple issues beforehand. Um, one of the issues being that as it was landing, it suffered a runway strike of the number four engine in 1982. So three years before. So this apparently had been shown to not cause any everlasting damage on the plane. It was completely repaired. There was a, another incident, um, a tail strike, seven years before the plane crashed. So are, are, are you suggesting that maybe this aircraft was haunted? No. Oh, okay. No. All I'm saying is that this plane has, has been through it. It's been, been through, through the ringer. I've seen everything. Yeah. Yep. Um, so let, let's talk about this. So yes. we know that there's been some sort of impales to the aircraft before. Yes. And we know that there was a decompression, a cabin decompression that happened. Yes. So if there's a rapid decompression and it flew for 32 minutes further, what what's the cause? Did the pilots know there was a decompression? Like, because you would think, like, if nowadays, if a United 777 took off of o- from O'Hare, our, yep. our local biggest airport, and there was a rapid depressurization, you would know immediately, as long as the flight crew was not incapacitated, which the Japan Airlines flight crew was not, they would turn back to the airport for an emergency landing. Yeah. So what's going on here? Let's let's dive into the details. Those masks would pop right out of the plane. 
you know, and that's exactly what happened. But we also know that those masks are only good for, you know, 15 minutes. And even if the tube or the thing is not fully inflated, there is still air flowing. So, of course, I had to say that. Of course. Because that is safety briefing. A safety briefing. On every single plane. I'm going to go on a tangent here. I know we're talking about the accident, but what is your favorite safety briefing across all the airlines? Southwest, obviously. Because they're just like, like they have throw some humor into it. You get lucky. You have the best flight attendant ever. Okay. They start talking about a yellow teeny weeny polka dot bikini of a life jacket. So I've got actually a top three. Okay. So. Number three going in is probably United Airlines Rhapsody in Blue um, safety demo. I mean, I just love, like, the orchestra playing in the background. But also, they had a really good Star Wars one when they had the Star Wars painted plane. Yeah. For, um, I can't remember what movie it was. It was either, I I think it was um, The Force Awakens. It was for, or it was The Last Jedi. No, actually, no. I think it was The Last Jedi it was for. Anyways, not important. Um that that one was number three. Number two comes the Alaska Airlines safety dance where they did a parody to the you know safety dance, safety oh, dance. Yeah. Everybody do the safety. Dance. Yeah, yeah. You know that thing. They did a parody to that, and it was just safe. it was it was very funny, very cringy, extremely cringy. Uh, that was during the COVID times. So it was very COVID heavily based safety briefing. But the best one of all time definitely has to be the Virgin America safety video because it is a full on music video. With like dance numbers and celebrity, it, it it is hilarious, and you will be singing that the entirety of your trip, as I did when I once flew in that airline. So here's the thing, though: you and I have very differing opinions, as I have only flown on about four different airlines, whereas you have flown on way more than me. So, out of the four I've flown on, though, Southwest is by far the best. I feel like that, that is true. I mean, I mean, I did. I was doing like I did not fly in United during the time of the Star Wars one. Yeah. I wish I did. And I've never flown Alaska Airlines, so I, I was just kind of like seeing out, like yes, pulling from out there. But you have flown on multiple. No, no, you that have is totally wide variety of options. That is totally true. Yep. I will say though, I do find that most Southwest employees, at least that I've encountered, generally have a happier attitude than many other airline employees that I have. Which is dealt interesting with. because they are among some of the lowest paid yeah. and underbenefited in the entire yeah. industry, and yet they are happier. At their jobs. Maybe yeah. that just shows that the Southwest employees truly just enjoy their jobs. Yeah. So. I've also had one or two crabby people at Southwest Airlines. But I mean, everybody has their bad days, though. Everybody has their bad Exactly. Everybody has their bad days. Yeah. Anyways, let's dive back into Japan Airlines Flight 1, 2, 3. You're having fun with those sounds, aren't you? I am having so much fun with the sound effects. Uh, anyways, so let, let's dive deeper into the investigation and this is the official report caused by japan's aircraft accident investigation commission that's a mouthful we'll just call them the aaic um the aircraft as you stated before yes was already involved in the tail strike um which damaged the pressures aft pressure bulkhead which for those of you that aren't unfamiliar the bulkhead is the wall of the airplane basically so the subsequential repair of the bulkhead did not conform to Boeing's approved repair methods. Surprise, surprise. Boeing's repair procedure calls for one continuous splice plate with three rows of rivets, yada, yada. I'll, I could dig into more mechanical aspects, but let's be real. You're here for the juicy information. Yes. 
so it actually ended up um, cutting the they ended up cutting the plate. Um, the inspection by Japan Airlines did not discover the defect, and it was covered by overlapping plates during the investigation. The Accident Investigation Commission calculated that this incorrect installation would fail after about eleven. T- thousand pressurization cycles the aircraft accomplished 12,318 successful flights from the time the faulty repair made to when the crash happened which subsequently was the result was why the rapid cabin depressurization happened this is proof that errors and maintenance are not always immediately noticeable this aircraft had 12,318 flights yeah which also just goes to show how many flights these planes make. I mean, that happened in 19, I'm sorry, I mean, seven, seven years. Seven years. Yep. So you're telling me that there were se- in seven years that one plane, one aircraft, did 12,318 flights. When obviously it's 747, which means it's doing a longer flight. Right, and exactly. Can you imagine what the like, CRJ-200s are doing? They're doing five, six legs a day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's I mean, crazy. You know, talk about bad luck, though. That flight. Yeah, yeah. Of 12,318, yeah. it took the 319th one Yep. to go boom. Mm-hmm. Well, that is too bad. Let's let's talk a little bit about what happened because of the, um, the accident or the incident. Um, uh, there was actually... Um, they didn't ever find all the parts from the the airplane uh, because it, it did crash and obviously it obliterated upon impact. As most investigations do occur. As recently as June 24th, 2022, there was an oxygen mask from the airline flight that was found near the crash site during road repair work. Uh, engine parts were found within from 2010 onwards stairs um you know all sorts of different stuff happened i mean like when a plane crashes you know how fast the plane's going like pieces end up miles apart from each other exactly yeah exactly and the fact i mean obviously the japan airline investigation committee was probably very heavily looking for said objects So, I mean, it's crazy that we're still finding stuff like that today. I wonder, yeah. the people that live 100 years from now that find airplane parts in the ground, is that their, what's going to be in their museums someday? Or? Probably. Probably. So, um, it actually, Japan Airlines took quite a hit. Domestic travel decreased uh, uh, up to 25%. There were all Nippon Airways is another ginormous carrier in Japan, and they received a 65% increase in air traffic by passenger numbers, which is quite heavily heavy. Um, and Japan Airlines gave about 7.6 million U.S. dollars to the victims' relatives in the form of condolence money, but they never admitted liability for the incident. So one of the interesting things about this is the bulkhead started to crack near one of the two rows of rivets. There were only two rows of rivets holding this piece on, which, I mean, when you think about it, that's normal. It's just, I mean, you've, you've riveted an airplane before. Yes. So, you, you know, I mean, it's not that difficult No, I mean, to make sure it's done right. I don't want to say it's dummy-proof, but honestly, yeah. you just take a, you just take a, like this little type of drill thing, 
you push a button and zoop goes in. I'm sure back, back in then, 1985 yes. is probably a, a different process. Different, but yeah. I mean, also these are profe- like certified mechanics. So, I mean, riveting was I mean, probably second nature and for them. It just kind of just goes to show how interesting airplanes and really anything <clears throat> is that something as little as those two rows of rivets can usually hold something on a plane or hold a plane together. Well, exactly. Uh, for for disclosure for the audience, I know, Ava, you obviously know this, but um, I am, I was formerly a ramp agent for both uh, uh, Delta and United Airlines uh, back in, near my hometown. Uh, and I remember we once had to call maintenance because there was a screw missing from the airplane. It was a non-essential crew. Or screw. It wasn't like something holding the wing. It was something inside yeah. the cabin. I will not disclose what it was or the nature or one what airline it was. But we took, a, I think it was a four and a half hour delay to get the maintenance crew out there. They had to insert a new screw, sign it off in the log books. I mean, and ju- if you just think about it, it's one screw. And if I, I mean, I don't want to share where the screw location was, but if you, it, it was pretty, pretty simple and it had nothing to do with the actual flying characteristics of the aircraft. So, I mean, that's just wild. It just goes to show, like, how careful people have to be with these airplanes. But at the same time, sometimes they can be treated like it doesn't matter and, like, safety is not a priority for some people. Exactly. So, I mean, that's always one thing to, um, I mean, take take mindful of when you're a passenger. Make sure that, I mean, there's no need to slam stuff. Or if you see something broken, just let somebody know. Yeah. I I mean, it's better to get there safe and have a delay than... Never make it there at all. Exactly. Yeah. Say like you're on a five hour delay, you're finally boarding the plane and you yeah. you go to sit down and all of a sudden like your tray table comes completely off. You may think that's a nonsensical issue, but um, I mean, there can be heavy, heavy fines for such an issue. Just just let your flight attendants know. Yeah. They'll, they'll know the best course of action. Sometimes they can probably just duct tape the tray and then seat you somewhere else if there's seats available. Yeah. I've seen that happen. But I mean, yeah, just just be smart about it. Yeah. So that was your segment of accident investigation of Japan Airlines flight one, two, three. That's what we got for you. Yeah. What's next, Ava? Well, we have a featured plane or airport of the week. So for this, I have chosen plane and one of my favorites been my favorite for a very long time the f4u corsair i'm just kidding everybody loves everybody loves that plane yes um you know as you know it's an older plane it's a warbird Um, explain what a warbird is for our for our audience because i know you know i know i know what a warbird is but maybe we got some new to aviation listeners on the podcast here today what is a warbird so warbirds are basically older military usually planes that have been kind of put back together made airworthy again for people to fly i mean civilians can fly i mean of course if you can afford to if you can afford to buy the plane, get the training involved. That being necessary. said, if you are a listener of the podcast and would like to donate a Warbird to the Jarrett and Ava Love Aviation Fund or even a ride in a Warbird, we would be so happy to take that onwards. We would, we would yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that would. That's, I mean, that's on the bucket list for sure. Oh, it's, it is 100% on my, but I mean, there's places down in Texas that allow you fly 
ironically, the T6 Texan, yeah. which is uh, one of the war birds. But anyways, I'm sorry. The stage is yours again. I mean, the sound, like, when, I mean, we have EA AirVenture every year. So, you know, the sound of, I mean, what was it last year we had the Warbird anniversary? It was, I, I forget the year, but it was the uh, the blank anniversary. It was World War Two, maybe one. No, it was the, and 70, I think it was the 75th anniversary plus one of yeah. World War Two because obviously so Air, Venture was was yep. Air Venture was canceled during yep. the... Um, Hundreds of warbirds just flying over your head all at once. The sound of all those radial engines is just like one of the most amazing sounds in and, the whole entire world. And for those of you that do not know, or if you do know, you know I love, love the sound of a radial engine. It is just, it's just so awesome. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's nothing like it, you know. There is nothing like it. Anyways, back to the Corsair. The one I love, you know, these were basically your, I mean, your Navy plane, your Navy jets of the 1900s. Of the radial engine era. Yes. These were the F-18s. And F-14s. And F-14s for those of you that love that love and feeling from Top Gun. Yeah. I mean, these things, you know, the wings folded up for like perfect space on on your usual aircraft carrier. And this is not unique to just the... I mean, the Corsair was one of the first aircraft to have the folding wing design. It yes. was revolutionary. But for those of you that do not know, those airplanes that were inside Top Gun, most of you probably know the F-14 yep. did have folding wings. Because, I mean, they showed that in Maverick. They showed that in the normal Top Guns. Yeah. But did you know the F-18 also has folding wing tips? Yes. They also fold upwards. Yes. So, I mean, you know, before before the F-4, you you know, you got the, the Bearcat. That was the Navy's Corsair before it was the Corsair. You know, it was able to land and take off the carriers. Um, you know, I mean, the Corsair is just one of the most amazing planes. We had the luxury of being able to watch a Corsair unveiling at the EAA Museum. We got to meet... With, I mean, not meet with, but we got to listen to. I mean, we we were yeah. within five feet of, and <laughs> I think we did shake the hands. Yes. So I, I we did meet shaking. I I consider yes. shaking okay. hands as meeting. Yes. So you know we 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 got to meet. Um, I can't remember. He was. Well, it was so there were two um, people here. Two pilots of the Corsair. Why don't you give the background of the Corsair inside the museum, and then I'll touch on the people that we got to meet and what their stories were. Okay. So this Corsair was from um, one of the wars. Uh, it was, the, I believe, the Korean War. Okay. Um, I always said, yeah, yep, Korean War. Um, so this is from the Korean War. We had, you know, I mean, kind of the Forgotten War, in a sense. You know, like, people usually think, like, World War Two, World War One, Vietnam War, you know. Um, but the Korean War, just as important. Um, we had some pilots come in. It wasn't, well, it wasn't the actual pilots. It was the family, kind of the children of the pilots. Um, so yeah, so those those people that brought, that came in, um, so the the Corsair inside the museum 
is uh, representative. I, I can't say representative. that word. Of the aircraft flown by Medal of Honor recipient Thomas Hutner. Um, this was not his aircraft. No, but flew. however, it was um, actually he had flown in it, and well, it yes. was the airplane that replaced him after his aircraft unfortunately went down during the Korean and War. And his son was one of the people at the museum. Yeah, so we had uh, his family that were there. I think uh, part of yeah, part of his family was there as well yep. as um, the the Thomas Hudner had a. Um, what what's the uh, word? Uh, wingman, right? Yep. And your usual. So the Thomas Hutner wingman uh, was um, was also there at the time. Uh, so I mean, it was it was quite interesting. Part of uh, VF. Uh, do you remember the fighter squadron they were part of? 32. 32. Yeah, VF-32. Thank you, Ava. I was just blanking on it for some reason. Um, so, yeah, Thomas Hudner and then his um, Jesse Brown. Yep. That was the other. That, that, that was the person I could, was blanking on. Jesse Brown this was, was his the plane. wingman. He had flown in multiple times. Um, so his family was also there. I believe it was his daughter. Yep, his daughter and her family. And um, Jesse Brown was the first African-American aviator to complete the United States Navy basic flight training, as well as one of the first African-American aviators to earn um, the some of the major uh, distinguishes, as well as the distinguished flying across uh, the Naval, uh, the Combat Action Ribbon, Korean Presidential Unit Citation, the Purple Heart Award, the United Nations Korean Medal, the Air Medal, Korean Service Medal, and Korean War Service Medal, just to name a couple. That's yeah, that's a lot. And yeah, and you, you have, I can't imagine the uh, the challenges that this man faced. Um, yep. But now I actually can imagine the challenges that he faced. Yeah, you know, I mean, because crazy, it was in a movie. Yeah. The blockbuster film 2022's movie of the Thanksgiving time. It was Devotion. Yeah. Um, and the, the sad thing is, is they did not do as well in the box office as I hoped. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, <laughs> kind of funny that Korean was forgotten. It's also a forgotten movie. You know, I mean, yeah. it came, it went. I still personally love watching it. Watched it a couple times now. Get my dad to watch it. And Ava and I, for the, I mean, those of you that don't know, which is everyone, yeah, we went on opening night. We went on that Wednesday when the movie came out. um, We were there on the opening show to a unfortunately relatively empty movie. It was such a touching movie, or sorry, movie theater, uh, empty movie theater. It was such a touching movie, though. I, I, I did shed some tears during the during the movie. It was so so touching i mean it really reminded me of like why i'm thankful to be here and as well like it was just crazy the fact that we earlier that day because we knew we were going to go see the movie we took another field trip over to the eaa museum (laughs) and we took a look at that plane because that plane was also in the movie i believe um or represented in the movie and so it was just crazy like that that was the piece of history that we were that we saw in the movie, and it was that was the real deal. This wasn't a theatrical yeah. performance. So I just want to say a couple things. First of all, if you don't know me, you know. Well, now you know. 
I'm a pretty big fan of Glenn Powell. As you might know, he was in the Top Gun Maverick movie. Um, so, I mean, of course, to see him in another aviation-related movie is kind of cool. I mean, he's obviously doing well for himself. I mean, by now you'd think that he'd be in love with aviation. As he's been in multiple movies, he got his license for Top Gun. I, I actually did not know that, that he got his license for Top Gun. Yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty cool. Second thing is I feel like we never properly gave enough background on what exactly happened with this plane. Yeah. So, I mean, Korean War, they were obviously in Korea. This plane, I know, it's crazy. Um, this plane was used to rescue some troops, U.S. troops on the ground. Um, it was shot at a couple times. And with this, as you've heard in, or as we've talked about earlier in this episode, bullets can go through a plane's fuselage, apparently. You'd think that by now they'd make it a little bit more bulletproof. Although I did hear that they're coming out with a new Air Force One um, some sometime shortly. Not That's not the movie. The movie is a great movie. But the actual movie. Air Force One, um, maybe that one will be a little bit more bulletproof. Yeah. So anyways, the bullet hole decided to spring a leak in the part of the aircraft where the oil is held. And with this being an older plane, there is less reinforcement for oil um so the oil is leaking out of the plane he eventually ran out of oil so at that point he was just kind of gliding down in korea there's i mean multiple mountain ranges all around korea it is a beautiful i would love to go there someday yes. i mean but like surrounding korea you have you got your mountain ranges it was i mean in the winter is december so it was freezing outside like i can't even imagine Snow all over the place, so he had to make an emergency landing on the side of a mountain. Kind of like almost in a valley a little bit. So because of this, you know, you hit hard. I mean, sadly what happened is his leg got caught. The plane started burning. He he lost blood. You know, he was, I mean, there was an attempt to save him by his wingman. Yeah, Tom Hutner tried to save Jesse Brown's the guy that was inside the airplane. Which is why... Tom was awarded the Medal of Honor, of course. Well, part of the reason, besides the fact that he was a good Navy pilot. Um, But, you know, so that was kind of unfortunate. You know, there was nothing anyone could really do to save him at that point. And Jesse Brown, unfortunately, died Yeah. uh, many hours after the plane crashed inside the aircraft, pinned, unable to move, unable to be saved. And that is the part where I feel like the movie does the best job reenacting it all. Because, I mean, they really show that there was time. There was, but there was only one, there was only one person there, which yeah. was Tom Hutner. And, and Tom Hutner can't move an entire aircraft and trying, bend but. metal. And he was trying so hard. I mean, the movie, it wasn't like a scene in the movie. I would say the, the movie took a very long time to really show us the anguish and struggle and the calls for help yes. and everything that was going on. And, you know, like... One of the best scenes of the movie was just when Jesse Brown was telling Tom, tell my wife I love her. You know, like, you see that in so many movies and TV shows when people are about to pass. But, like, when they spend this much time on this character, 
you know, and they had spent a lot of time in the movie showing the relationship between Jesse and his wife and their daughter. It wasn't just a Hollywood tell my my it, wife I love her. It was like a true story. Like it felt so real. And that was the part where I cried. <laughs> yes, that was. <laughs> and it was even harder because then they ended up showing it. Would that was like I would say the two thirds part of the movie. They they did a very good job of not of wrapping up the movie as well. And they showed us the life of uh, Jesse Brown's wife and kid, uh, Tom Hunter's struggle to explain what happened and to pass along the message but i mean it had to be done yes so yeah that's kind of the story of one of the many reasons the corsair is my favorite plane um you know other other than it being a navy aircraft and i'm a bigger fan of the navy than any other branch of the military of course um so you know you kind of have that you know it's just an amazing plane the plane has a great history to it it has a lot of good stories. Um, and if you are interested sound. in uh, sharing your story, feel free to reach out to us at yeah. ttcloudspodcast at gmail.com. Or, yeah, if you have any story of any plane that you would like to share with us, it can either be in written form or you can call us up after we're, you know, we talk over email. We would love to hear more stories because, once again, like we kind of started this podcast um, we are aviation college students looking to become professionals. And I think a big part of that is I will want to learn from as many stories yeah. as possible. Um, and that being said, we can you can see the course air this summer at the EAA Air Venture Oshkosh 2023 in the Warbird Pavilion. Usually there are at least seven or more Corsairs there. There is even a Blue Angels Corsair. Yeah, I, I which was the original year. one of the original yes. Blue Angels aircraft. Yep, one of the first ones, yep. That was very cool. So, that being said, I think that kind of wraps up our segment of yeah. the course. I, unless if you have anything to nope. Just, nope. Okay. That's so, cool. that is the Vault F4U Corsair. Uh, yeah, that, that's the Corsair. I mean, such a beautiful, amazing plane. So, without further ado, we are going to say goodbye. This was our very first podcast episode. I think it actually went pretty. I mean, it, we got it all done in one take. Yeah. Not too shabby. Uh, so that's us. That's our story. That's our podcast. We hope to see you next week. It's going to be along the same format. Uh, so hopefully, I mean, share with your friends if you like this podcast. We would love, I mean, this is our first podcast. We're both just college students. We, we're doing this just to have fun. Feel free to share the podcast if you liked it. Uh, leave us with any feedback or suggestions. Like I said, the email will be in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, so next next week you can expect the kind of same format episode. You can find us once again on your favorite podcast streaming platforms on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. And make sure to follow us on social media at TT Clouds Podcast. You can find us over on Instagram as well as the Twitter. So yeah. Feel also, also, this is not an advertisement, but this is more of a recommendation. If you have time, go watch the Devotion movie. 100 percent it's it's worth it i mean how long is it with two hours yeah it is a longer movie but it it does not not feel like a longer movie i remember we were sitting in the theater it was done we were like like what time is it like yeah and it was like 10 p.m and we're like what yeah Mm -mm. there's no way no way but you know that was you know go watch it yeah yeah that wraps up our podcast for this week thank you so much like like ava said go watch devotion go follow us on our social media platforms tell your friends about this awesome podcast and about the devotion movie yes uh because why not and yeah we'll see you next week yeah